inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. It is Monday. You have survived the weekend. Congratulations. You get to get back at it. St. Lucy, pray for us. So much to cover in the news today. Of course, we are keeping in our hearts and in our minds those that were lost during the deadly tornadoes in Arkansas and in Kentucky. So many, so much destruction. 200 miles. I mean, F5, it's absolutely insane. May uh, God have mercy upon those that were impacted. We'll be praying for their repose today during our uh, memorari here coming up in just a few minutes. Of course, we're going to have a great program for you uh, today as well as the whole week. We're looking forward to our week here at Catholic Drive Time. John Horvat is going to be back onto the program today. He is a scholar with the TFP. He has an article out on the metaverse, which, uh, you know, Facebook, that kind of thing, the whole virtual reality that they have uh, gone knee-deep into here. Will the metaverse create a virtual hell on Earth? That is the question we're going to ask John Horvat coming up at 35 past the hour. At 15 past the hour, there are, of course, some stories of great concern. For instance, is the beast of Daniel chapter 7 perched precariously outside of the United Nations right now? Hmm. (laughs) The, The lion with the eagle's wings coming from Mexico, nonetheless. Hmm. Interesting story. We're going to dive into that. Kind of reminds me, and I think the timing is perfect, given the fact that yesterday was the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So I'm going to be reading a little bit to you from one of my favorite history books of all time, or at least Catholic historians, Warren Carroll's Our Lady of Guadalupe, The Conquest of Darkness, just to remind us why Our Lady came to free the indigenous people from their slavery to the uh, to the devil himself. All that coming up at 15 past the hour. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Praise be to God. How was your weekend? Very eventful. Packing up stuff. Uh, purchased a new car so I can... Uh, what? What did you traverse. get? Oh, I got a Highlander. Nice. Very... Old school. 04. Wow. Well, reliable, safe, yeah. simple, practical. Praise be to God. That's and I got a good deal for being a Christian. So, oh, praise really? be to God. Even in California? Yeah. Now, rare. Do, do the cars in California come with extra like emissions things that you can take off once you cross into the free world? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this much. You can't get it smogged if certain things happen. So, wow. yeah. It's very restrictive here. All right. Well, soon you shall be free at last. You shall cross the, the river and into freedom. We're looking forward to that. That's coming Amen. up in a couple of weeks. Speaking of freedom and restrictions, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? Amen. It is. In spite of it all? Despite of it all, it's good to be here. Despite uh, the fact that there are evil movies being played across America, it is still nonetheless good to be here. <laughs> evil movies. Uh, beasts uh, from mm-hmm. the book of Revelation uh-huh. and Daniel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see, mm-hmm. what else? The tornadoes, right. uh, yes. wars, yes. rumors mm-hmm. of wars, plagues. Yes, yes. Oh, good news. Uh, Omicron apparently has not killed anybody, according to the World Health Organization yeah, be to God. and the Amen. CDC. Amen. So, but Perfect nonetheless, case. get your Until fifth booster so. shot. Yeah, just go ahead. Get your <laughs> fifth booster Despite shot. Despite Debbie Downer over there, it is still good to be here. Praise be to God. Despite of it I had a great weekend with the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe. We had a huge celebration. We had a huge Marian procession uh, after Mass, and then we were singing hymns. 
to Our Lady. We had a huge image of Our Lady Guadalupe. We were putting flowers in front of her. Then we had mariachis come and play. We had um, some of the parishioners made Mexican food, uh, tamales and tacos. And uh, it was great. We had that. So that was awesome. And then afterwards, to um, celebrate Our Lady Guadalupe, we had a rosary rally with a TFP downtown Houston. And then Saturday was so busy. I went. Through, we had a morning mass with uh, for the Rote Chaley, then a rosary rally, then uh, more rosary rallies. Took engagement photos for my, my my roommate. His he's engaged now, so I took his engagement photos. Nice. So it was all around. Oh, and I had made gingerbread houses with my family. So all sorts of good things. Praise be to God this weekend. Praise be to God. Good did you, right. cat, did you hunt anything? Uh, we, no, we, well, <laughs> hunting is a relative term. Yes, I hunted, but it did, did I harvest is the question. <laughs> uh, no, in fact, uh, but we did have an adventure. We we went out Friday, obviously, up to way up north Texas and uh, and had a great time in the woods until, the, until it got very dark. And then uh, we camped, and Friday night, the storm came rolling through the same storm that caused this devastation in Kentucky and parts of Arkansas. And uh, we had water coming into the vehicle. We were car camping, so we were at the back of the Adventure Tahoe there. And uh, water was pouring onto my head. So for, at about 1 o'clock in the morning, we were trying to uh, stem the tide of the water pouring into the vehicle. So that was, that was less than optimal. Otherwise, it was just a great adventure and a lot of fun for me and my son to spend time out in the woods. And we always love doing that. But at any rate, let's pray. Let's dive in. We're going to have a great show today. John Horvath's coming up to talk about the metaverse and so much news to cover and concerning stories. Stick around if you can for the whole hour. And don't forget, next hour, we have our game show back on the agenda this week. Plus, we have an after show. So all that and more. Let's dive in. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Rudy Carlos here. Let's dive right into your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports death toll damage rising as tornadoes wreak havoc across central U.S. Severe storms, straight-line winds, and flooding rocked Kentucky and the Midwest late Friday and early Saturday where dozens remain missing. One twister alone could mark the longest on record as the storm front upended a candle factory, crushed a nursing home, and flattened an Amazon distribution center, AP reports. I pray that there will be another rescue. I pray that there will be another one or two, Kentucky Governor Andy Bashar said, as crews sifted through the wreckage of the candle factory in Mayfield, where 110 people were working overnight on Friday when the storm hit. 40 were rescued. We had to, at times, crawl over casualties to get to live victims, said Jeremy Creason, the city's fire chief and EMS director. In Kentucky alone, 22 were confirmed dead by late Saturday, including 11 and in and around Bowling Green, the AP outline, uh, report outlines. The longest tornado on record in March 1925 tracked about 220 miles through Missouri, Illinois, and Indiana, but Victor Gensini from the Department of Geographic and Atmospheric Sciences said that this twister may have touched down for nearly 250 miles. The storm was all the more remarkable because in, in December, colder weather limits tornadoes. Gateway Pundit reports, end of democracy, Hillary Clinton says Americans won't recognize our country if Trump wins in 2024. That's surprising. I already don't recognize it now. I can't imagine it being worse. 
LifeSet reports monumental invasion of our rights. Senate considers bill to expand government vaccination databases. The Senate is considering a bill that would greenlight hundreds of millions of funding for government vaccination databases, which medical freedom advocates are warning would lead to a monumental invasion of civil liberties. The Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act, or HR 550, sets aside more than $400 million to expand data systems used by the public health departments to collect information about Americans' vaccination history. The bill would also promote the exchange of vaccination data between the state and local agencies and the federal government and would require government entities to adopt data standards set by the CDC as a condition of funding. What this bill would create is, a, is more access for the CDC for your immunization data and the need for states to follow CDC recommendations or get cut off from federal funding. Medical Freedom Group Stand for Health Freedom warned. Despite the bill's price tag and implications for privacy rights, it nevertheless cleared the House last week with significant GOP support. 80 Republicans joined all present Democrats to send H.R. 550 to the Senate with a 293 to 130 vote on Tuesday, LifeSite News reported. Epic Times reports four states call in National Guard to deal with health care staffing crisis. At least four states in recent weeks have called in members for the of the National Guard to deal with the health care staffing issues amid COVID-19 vaccine mandates for hospitals and nursing home workers. Indiana University officials say it's dealing with all-time highs of both COVID-19 and non-related uh, patients. Earlier this year, about 125 Indiana University healthcare workers were fired for not complying with the system's vaccine mandate, although the hospital said at the time that most fired workers were part-time. And in New York, Ka Governor Kathy Hochul, also a Democrat, announced that the state's National Guard would conduct a similar mission at state hospitals. The decision came weeks after thousands of New York-based healthcare workers were placed on unpaid leave following the implementation of Hochul's COVID-19 vaccine mandate, which caused staffing disruptions. Neither Hochul nor the Guard has mentioned the COVID-19 mandate amid the deployment. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Jodoc of the born in the 17th, or sorry, not 17th, the 7th century, only off by a thousand years. No big deal. <laughs> Jodoc was the son of Juthanal, king of Brittany, and the brother of St. Judasel and St. Winnock. St. Judasel was in line for the throne, but the prince soon after denounced and renounced this perishable crown to labor more securely for the acquisition of an incorruptible one, and he retired into the monastery of St. Mean. When he re resigned the crown, he offered it to his younger brother, Jodoc, called by the French Jos. But Jodoc had the same inclinations that his older brother had. However, the consult of the divine will, he shut himself up for eight days in the monastery of Le Magnol, in which he had been brought up and prayed night and day with many tears that God would direct him to undertake what was most agreeable to him and most conductive to his divine honor and his own satisfaction. He put an end to his deliberation by receiving the clerical tonsure at the hands of the bishop of Arvansha and joined a company of 11 pilgrims who were purposed to go to Rome. He served in a duke's chapel for seven years and then retired with one only disciple named Vermaer into a woody solitude at Ray. The duke built them a chapel in cells in which the hermits lived, gaining by the tillage of this land their slender substance and as an overplus for the poor. The servants of God kept constant enclosure except that out of devotion to the Prince of the Apostles and to the Holy Martyrs, they made a penitential pilgrimage to Rome in 665. 
At their return to Runic, they found their hermitage enlarged and adorned in a beautiful church of stone which the good duke had erected in memory of St. Martin and on which he settled a, com a competent estate. The duke met them in person on the road and conducted them to their habitation. Jodak finished here with his penitential course in 668 and was an honoree by miracles both before and after his death, and he is now incorrupt. St. Jodak, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 27. When Jesus had come into the temple area, the chief priests and the elders of the people approached him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them in reply, I shall ask you one question, and if you answer it for me, then I shall tell you by what authority I do these things. Where was John's baptism from? Was it of heavenly or of human origin? They discussed this among themselves and said, If we say of heavenly origin... He will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we fear the crowd, for they all regard John as a prophet. So they said to Jesus in reply, we do not know. He himself said to them, neither shall I tell you by what authority I do these things. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Jerome would say, the Lord could have confuted the culminy of his tempters by a simple answer, but he put a question to them of such skillful contrivance that they must be condemned either by their silence or their knowledge. Close quote. St. Jerome, pray for us. The Navarre commentary points out, the evangelist puts it on record that these people did not believe in Jesus. But in the light of what Jesus says in the next passage, we know that they made no effort at all to believe in him. Therefore, they deserve the silence that Jesus gives them. Nothing that he might say could move them to repent. Yay, yay and amen. I like something Rabanus says. There are two reasons why the knowledge of truth should be kept back from those who ask. Either when he who asks is unfit to receive or from his hatred or contempt of the truth is unworthy to have that which he ha which to have that which he asks open to him i love this because i don't debate with people who are not open to listening dialogue and debate aren't the same thing we'll be right back what's concerning us is coming up next howdy this is adrian fonseca producer of the catholic drive time show Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Are the biblical miracles too far-fetched to believe? dead people rising, blind people seeing? How can a rational person believe such things? Well, it might seem irrational to believe relative to our general background knowledge, but relative to specific evidence, the obstacle of improbability can be overcome. For example, it's improbable for someone to rise from the dead. But if there were credible eyewitness testimonies, as in the case with Jesus, then belief would be rationally justified. 
Second, many skeptics often don't consider the improbability of the reported miracle being false. With regard to Jesus' resurrection, it's unreasonable to believe the apostles died for what they knew to be a lie, or that many different people had the same hallucination at the same time on different occasions. So miracles are not too far-fetched to believe if there is sufficient evidence to justify belief. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Tradition, Family, and Properties, John Horvat is going to be our guest to talk about the metaverse. You know, Facebook rebranding itself into the meta. What is this metaverse, this virtual reality, and are there moral and ethical issues that need to be discussed as Catholics? Is the metaverse going to create a hell on earth? That's the question we're going to ask John Horvat coming up at 35 past the hour. But there are, as I say, a few stories that are of great concern to me. And uh, being out into the woods and camping and hunting this weekend with one of my sons, I wasn't paying much attention to the news. So the damage in Kentucky really was shocking to me. Uh, We pray for the repose of the souls lost. At least 80 plus, I think the governor of Kentucky said there's going to be probably 100 people or more. 200 plus miles of damage, a mile wide. I mean, it's just rather insane, uh, the, the, the damage and the gravity of, of the storm that these people had to suffer through. So we're going to keep them in our prayers for sure. There was a story out of uh, the blaze that uh, caught my attention. Michigan Catholic Diocese says gay and transgender people can only receive communion if they have repented. And this is a problem. I mean, this is I mean, I'm surprised. Praise be to God. They stood up for the truth out of charity for the souls of the people affected. Well, praise be to God for that. Then there was another story, uh, live action, put out a, a satirical video, but one that I think speaks to the, the heart of the matter of a bunch of men who are pro-choice talking about the benefits of abortion, like not being nailed down to have to support a woman and her child, for instance. And uh, I, I, I retweeted this video this morning. I was just seeing it today. Uh, rather good, I would say. Rather good, especially speaking from as a guy who took a woman to an abortion back in 94. I can tell you this is true. This is the real motivation behind keeping abortion active and legal and available to so many women. It's not so much about the lady. It's about the guy not having to be tied down in any way, shape or form. And so a very good video to ponder today. But I want to talk about this story out of uh, that's coming out this morning about the beast of Daniel 7 perched precariously outside of the United Nations. There were several outlets uh, who reported on this. I chose the uh, CBN News article today. U.N. sculpture looks a lot like the end times beast referred to in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Let me read to you what Daniel 7 says. Daniel spake, and he said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Hmm... And if you're looking at the, if you're on the video feed today and you're seeing the picture, let me just describe this to you if you're listening by radio. 
It is a jaguar with eagle's wings, and it's decorated in uh, sort of the colors and the motif of the indigenous peoples of Mexico. In fact, this was a gift from the Mexican people to the United Nations and stands now perched precariously outside. Here is a little quote about this from the U.N. It says, quote, a guardian for international peace and security sits on the visitor's plaza outside U.N. headquarters. The Guardian is a fusion of jaguar and eagle donated by the government of Oaxaca, Mexico. I probably said that incorrect. But at any rate, very concerning to see what looks at, to many people as the beast of Revelation 13, the beast of Daniel 7. Now, it reminded me either way that yesterday was the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And so many people criticize uh, the West for colonizing the Americas and doing harm to indigenous people. And I want to remind you why Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, came to, uh, to help the indigenous people, her children, her little daughters, her little sons, as she would call Juan Diego on that faithful day in December of 1531. Why was it necessary to come? Because these people, her children, were being accosted by the devil himself. Let me read to you a little bit, or I'll just point out to you a couple of points from one of my favorite Catholic uh, historians, Warren Carroll, God rest his soul. I absolutely love his work, his uh, multi-volume work on, on history of the church and the world. But this is a little tiny book that I have in my hand. It's called Our Lady of Guadalupe and the Conquest of Darkness. It is a fantastic little book, definitely worth the read. If you've never read Warren Carroll, well, golly gee whiz, what, uh, what rock have you been living under all these years? You should pick up a copy as soon as possible, I would argue. But here is a reminder of the situation prior to anybody from the West coming to visit these people in Mexico or in the West at all. In 1487, this was a, a sort of a, a pin, uh, a, a like a, a pinnacle moment in history. In 1487, there was a man by the name of Talachchelel. I'll get it right eventually. But at any rate, this man was the power behind the emperors. He was the true power in the Aztec Empire. In fact, he is accredited as being the architect of the Aztec Empire in general. He chose who got to be emperor. He never wanted the throne for himself because, as he said, he was already king. Why did he need to be king? He was already king. So this is the guy behind it all, and he ruled Mexico, the Aztec Empire, for 60-some-odd years, like 67 years. In 1487, though, that he wanted to mark the occasion for the grand opening of the largest temple in the Aztec Empire, which happened to be at Cactus Rock, which is what we call today Mexico City. There were some 300-plus uh, uh, towns and villages associated with the Aztec Empire, all of which had some form of temple. Some were pyramids that were tall, some were, some were not. And every town was required to make human sacrifices every year. Some estimates, at least at a minimum, 50,000 people were slaughtered every single year. 50,000 per year at a minimum, but some scholars believe it was actually more than that. The priests who never bathed, 
Her, they had never cut their hair. They, their garments were white, stained, completely crimson from the blood. Their hair matted from the dried blood because they would climb the steep steps up the 90 to 100 feet uh, pyramids and on the top slab there. They would slaughter their victims with a volcanic uh, knife and they would cut the heart out as it would still beat and show it to the people. And then they would kick the bodies over and they would fall down the pyramid to the base where they would consume, they would cannibalize parts of their limbs. And there would be all these uh, at the bottom, there would be like a gardens and there would be a zoo down there. And the animals would also feed on the corpses. However, they would stack the hearts. They would also stack the skulls. And their temples were resplendent with the motif of the serpents. They would beat drums of serpent skins that could be heard two miles out. I mean, it's pretty graphic and, and grotesque. But in 1487, at the largest grand opening of the worst pyramid uh, pagan temple in the Aztec Empire, you had at that time back in Spain, Isabel and Ferdinand hearing the pleas of Christopher Columbus and the request for funds to go out across the ocean to find a new path to overcome the challenges of the Portuguese who had the right of passage to India, right? And so he was waiting for the Reconquista to be over before he could sail. You had uh, the young Bishop Zamorga, who was a novitiate in the Franciscan order in 1487. You had the baby fighting for his life, whose parents would, uh, would consecrate him to St. Peter himself in Hernan Cortes back in Spain. But in Mexico in 1487, this man behind the power, Tlaxchalel, he, he uh, opened this incredible day for this incredible uh, temple in Mexico City. He says this, uh, well before daybreak on the opening day, legionaries prepared the victims who were put in close single file down the steps of the Great Pyramid through the city out over the causeways and as far as the eye could see. For the average person viewing the spectacle from his rooftop, it would appear that the victims stretched in lines to the ends of the earth. The bulk of the, of the unfortunates were from hostile provinces and the swollen ranks of slavery. On the, on the pyramid's summit, four slabs had been set up, one at the head of each staircase. For Tlaxchalel and the other three kings of the Triple Alliance, all of whom were to begin the affair as sacrificial priests, all were in readiness. The lines of victims were strung out for miles with great reservoirs at the ends, thousands of trapped humans milling about like cattle, awaiting their turn in the line that was about to move. Suddenly, the brilliantly arrayed kings approached uh, appeared at the platform and silence fell over the city. Together they approached Hutzel-Lapochtili, uh, then the chapel, and made a reverent obsience as they turned to join their aides and the four slabs. Great snakeskin drums began to throb, announcing the lines could now move. And here's the deal. There are two main pagan gods in the Aztec Empire. There's Hutzel-Lapochtili, who is the devil himself. And then there is the one who sits, as they say, on the shoulder as a tempter. The one from the monsters in the darkness, the demurrage of creation. And their temples were splattered with the blood and sacrifice of their victims. And it was a grotesque, all described in here, especially thanks to Bernal Diaz, 
Cortez, who was the uh, journalist for Hernan Cortez, the first Westerners to visit this very, very place, this exact temple. And in 1487, when when this this demonic thing took place, they sacrificed 80,000 human persons nonstop for four days. Four days. And this guy, this uh, Talachalel, he was in his 80s at the time, and he did not leave the temple for four straight days. He watched every single person, 80,000 persons being slaughtered to the very last. They had the science down to 15 seconds per victim. They would cut the beating heart out and then kick the body over the edge. They stacked the hearts and the skulls. The animals would eat. The priests would eat. The human body remains. This was the environment in which Our Lady of Guadalupe in 1531 spoke so tenderly to Juan Diego, so tenderly to send him to Zamaraga. This young man in, in 1487 would become the first Archbishop of Mexico. And it would be to him, the duty would be to build the temple. And the miraculous image, which can be seen over my shoulder here on video, of Our Lady of Guadalupe, she would come to save these people, her children, as the book of Revelation makes very clear to us, when the serpent, the dragon, the beast could not consume Our Lady or her son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What happens? He comes and he's kicked out and he comes to us and he comes to take us. And Our Lady, she becomes the mother of all those who embrace her Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. And the dragon was angry against the woman and went to make war with the rest of her seed who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I don't know if that's the beast sitting outside the UN or not, but it sure looks it. Either way, we need to reject the devil. We need to reject paganism. We need to reject evil, evil ways in this world and embrace Jesus Christ. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. We'll be right back. Breaking news and stories. John Horvath coming up next. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. 
That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are your headline news for this morning. One American News reports Governor Newsom uses Texas abortion ban as model for gun control. On Friday, the Supreme Court allowed challenges to Texas's abortion ban to move forward in the lower courts. However, for the, however, for the, for the time being, the court also left Texas's Heartbeat Act in place, which offers a $10,000 bounty for citizens who bring a successful lawsuit against anyone who aids or abets an abortion after six weeks. Newsom contended that, contended that if states can shield their laws from review by federal courts, then California would use that authority to ban semi-automatic weapons. He said if Texas can empower people against those who have abortions, then California would create a bill allowing private citizens to sue anyone who makes or sells assault weapons. As usual, Newsom gave no definition of an assault weapon, but said the legislation would create a so-called right of action allowing private citizens to seek injunctive relief and statutory damages of at least $10,000 per violation plus attorney fees against anyone who manufactures, distributes, or sells a so-called assault weapon, ghost gun kit, or parts. And LifeSite News reports Statue of Mary at Catholic National Shrine in D.C. vandalized with a hammer. Epic Times reports Biden doubles down on Build Back Better after Friday's CPI report shows annual inflation increase at 39-year high. The Biden administration is seeking to reassure Americans regarding rising inflation after the Labor Department's Consumer Index Consumer Price Index report showed prices rising at their fastest annual pace in nearly 40 years. The White House is facing criticism after the report showed that consumer prices rose 6.8% in the in the year through November the sharpest annual increase since 1982 and an acceleration compared to October 6.2% rate of inf inflation. And some people think it's higher than 6.9, 6.8%, by the way. Biden has insisted that his $1.8 trillion Build Back Better government spending plan would help lower costs. Republicans warned that Biden's spending bill, which is passing in, an, in Congress narrowly controlled by the, the Democrats, would fuel inflation even more, hurting his party's chances in the 2022 midterms. Prices have risen across the United States due to a variety of factors, including an international supply bottleneck and a labor crunch that has hit rising demand in production, which is recovering from the pandemic. And the Blaze reports horrific crash involving truck loaded with migrants bound for U.S. results in 55 dead, over 100 wounded. A tractor trailer carrying Central American migrants bound for the United States border crashed in southern Mexico on Thursday, killing 55 of the migrants who were packed into the trailer and wounding another 100, according to the Associated Press. The crash occurred in Tuxtle Gutierrez in southern Mexico near the Guatemalan border. Most of the migrants aboard were believed to be from Guatemala and Honduras, and according to the survivors, their ultimate destination was the United States. The crash occurred when the truck crashed into a steel pedestrian bridge and the trailer turned over. An indication of the horrifying conditions inside the trailer, ABC's, ABC News reports that the first 45 bodies who were identified as being dead were found without any evidence of broken bones or other visible injuries, but rather died from asphyxiation from being crushed by the mass of bodies in the overturned trailer. Guatemalan Foreign Minister Pedro Brolo reacted to the tragedy by saying, by calling for tougher penalties on migrant smugglers, saying, we have to toughen the, the punishment for those who profit off of our people. Meanwhile, Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador continued to blame the United States for failing to provide more financial aid to Central America as a root cause of the tragedy. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you.
Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Joining us right now via the phone is John Horvat. Uh, he is with the Tradition Family and Property. And uh, on the, uh, the website, Return to Order, that's returntoorder.org, he's got an article out. Um, actually, rather, tfp.org is the website where the article is. Will the metaverse create a virtual hell on Earth? Good morning to you, Mr. Horvat. Good morning. Great to be on the show. Thank you for uh, for taking the time to be with us today. So Meta just released, I don't know, a couple months ago, Facebook said they were going to rename themselves to Meta. And a lot of people embraced the idea. But what is really the story behind this change? Well, Metaverse is the latest, is going to be the next step or the next phase of the Internet. And it is a... Um, a platform which will it's, it's a massive massive platform which will be much more than the internet and uh, it is it is really very concerning because it's not a like the internet where you look into the into the internet and, and see the information which you are going to receive but you are actually immersed in the internet, internet with uh, goggles and even skin suits and where you buy, where you will actually feel and see everything that you're actually you're you're looking into um it, you know already i think we have enough distractions in our life <laughs> okay and, right, I, and exactly. i'm as guilty as anybody but i'm pretty sure the world does not need joe mcclain in his skin suit for the virtual world i'm just saying that i don't think that's a necessary thing but it seems like is this going to be something that people do for fun for pastime at night when they're home from work on the weekends or are they trying to make this like a like a nine to five? Like you get up and this is what you do. Well, I mean, it is a platform, just like the internet. You can use it any time, in any place. And there, there, the, the people who are promoting this uh, this metaverse, which includes most of Silicon Valley, is saying that it is uh, a, a different reality that will be more real than reality, and more, and actually much more enticing, and much more, uh, much more than anything we we. Uh, observe in our just our daily lives. So the the, the goal is to make it a, a type of permanent platform which has its applications in business and in, in retail, but also especially in, in fantasy. Uh, Mr. Horvat, you know I was thinking about this because we see more and more this movement to try to get away from all of this technology uh, among Catholics. I'm, we're seeing like. Matt Frad did a great show on moving to a dumb phone. Gabriel Castillo with Gabby After Hours did something very similar. I have personally tried to restrict myself on internet use. I deleted all my social media off my phone, only using it on my computer. These kind of small things. And yet it seems like we're, the world is moving in the opposite direction to try to get us online more often. And so why is this a bad thing for us to be online all the time and also – how is this going to be uh, a worse situation than it is for just the Internet in general? Right. I mean, if you think we have problems now with the Internet addictions and Internet uh, places where you shouldn't be as a Catholic, uh, this will just only make it make it exponentially more. Uh, there, there will definitely be a, a dark area of the metaverse, which will allow things which are sinful and, you know, will uh, will be a, a constant temptation to Catholics. Uh, which I think the church needs to address before the saints happens. It's not even on the radar now. Nobody's talking about it inside the, uh, you know, inside the church to say, well, you know, what's going on here? We need to, we need to look and see before we jump. But, uh, 
you know, just the, that part of the internet, the internet and part of the metaverse is pretty easy to be against. But uh, there are other aspects, like you know, the destruction of identity, because on the meta, metaverse you can be whoever and whatever you want to be. You know, you're, you are, you you decide, you self-identify as the atavar that you will. <clears throat> by which you will appear inside the metaverse or the atavars, you know, several different identities inside the Internet. So, I mean, it has a destructive uh, influence on the personality of the person, the psychology of the person. This is, you know, this is changing the way we think and the way we we do things. Yeah, I was seeing, um, I think it was the the creator of the metaverse, I'm forgetting his name all of a sudden, even though he's like very famous, uh, Facebook guy, and he was saying how this is going to be, I, I forget the exact quote, but he essentially said that he's going to make man in an image that's greater than the way God created us. Uh, he was going to have this new creation kind of idea, and it seems directly contrary to our Lord and his creation in Genesis. Right, yeah, it was Mark Zuckerberg who was talking about that, and he's, he's he's really into it. They're they're putting a lot of effort and money into it, and in, in, at uh, Meta, which used to be Facebook. But yes, exactly, they are tra- trying to ch- to to make someone greater than God, and someone someone already tried to do that at one point, and and didn't didn't end up too well. Mr. Horvat, you've already alluded to uh, you know the the sort of identity crisis that we are experiencing in this country where people, you know, can identify as whatever they want. Um, Would you say that is the greatest factor that is enticing to people or what is your analysis of meta? uh, And why do you think people are so enticed into this sort of media? Well, usually in, in all types of media, we are, we are somehow anchored in reality. You know, even uh, you know, even with the, the the internet and other things, we still have to deal with our daily realities, and we have to deal with the fact of who we are. But with this type of immersion into a media, it it definitely uh, changes that. It says that you know we are who we say we we think we are. We are we we are more than what we really are. We certainly aren't. Uh, you know, we we are in a position that is uh, just. It, it, I think it will have a, a grave effect on the minds of people and how they how they're able to deal with our realities, and it will eventually um, will not satisfy because uh, these kind of things do not satisfy. They actually frustrate and and uh, lead to the type of annihilation nihilism that is part of our modern society, our postmodern society. You know that has no meaning and purpose because it is ultimately without God. We're talking with Mr. John Horvat. He is with Tradition Family and Property. He's got an article out called, Will the Metaverse Create a Virtual Hell on Earth? Again, it's linked up at tfp.org, and we'll uh, put that in our uh, social links. He's also got a book out called Return to Order, which you can find at returntoorder.org. But we're going to go to a very short break. We're going to come back and continue our conversation about this virtual reality, its harms, and the warnings and what we might be able to do about that. All of that coming up right after this very short break. So don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time will be right back. Do us a favor. Share us with a friend. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, since every religion claims to be true, well, then none of them are true? Even though this is not a very intelligent comment, it does not prevent people from saying it. 
G.K. Chesterton says probably one of the creeds is right and the others are wrong. Logically, most of the views must be wrong. But there's nothing logical to the idea that all must be wrong. Think about betting on a horse. Many people bet on the wrong horse, but some bet on the right horse. And sometimes even the favorite has been known to come in first. But that's the point. Something comes in first. The fact that there are many beliefs does not destroy the fact that there is one well-founded belief. So don't say that the variety of beliefs prevents you from accepting any beliefs. It's not logical. And it's not a very good way to bet, either. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, John McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Mr. John Horvat wrote an article over at TFP.org called, Will the Metaverse Create a Virtual Hell on Earth? We're talking about the metaverse, this virtual reality, something that uh, we all love, right? When people become something other than themselves. What could be the harm? Golly gee whiz. Well, I mean, on one level, think about how many times you've been accosted online by people who have strong opinions against whatever it is you're saying, and yet they do so under some anonymous handle. And uh, people find great courage to do and say things that they would never do in person. There's one, I think, major warning sign, and I think this will make that worse. But welcome back to the program, Mr. Horvat. Um, yeah. Let's talk about transhumanism in general. Tell us what is transhumanism and how might the metaverse uh, further fan the flame of this effort well, the metaphor, the uh, transhumanism is <clears throat> is is a is a philosophy that says that man, we are <clears throat> in an in evolving species, and therefore we are going to evolve into something more than what we are now. Um, it's very much it, it is it is one of these very atheistic, re- relativistic, and secular philosophies that still that are out there and and inform a lot of this high tech uh, this high tech culture that's behind us. That you know that we see all over, and uh, I think one of the you know one of the best descriptions of it was actually by Klaus Schwab, who's one of the uh, one of the great one of these uh, the um, engineers of what's called the Great Reset. He says he describes it as the fusion of the digital, the biological, and physical worlds. You know they want to bring it to turn people into cyborgs, people <laughs> with the, you know that are. Ha, that are ha, somehow uh, you know uh, integrated with the with uh, the digital world, and it's it's a very it's a, a creation of a world without God, and uh, and a, a very powerful world that will allow you to do things that you normally wouldn't be able to do. You know, Mr. Horvat, I was thinking about the fact that uh, in Revolution and Counter Revolution, uh, Professor Plinio breaks down everything into essentially two core errors of the world of modernism. Mm-hmm which is egalitarianism and Gnosticism. And Mm -hmm. it seems very, very apropos with the metaverse. It seems like that is the metaverse is the egalitarian and the Gnostic revolution incarnate in a virtual world. 
Uh, could you talk about how that relates, those two errors relate to the metaverse? Yes, definitely. That's a very good point because the, you know, the, the egalitarian aspect is that you, uh, you, there is no one above you. There is no one below you. It is a, uh, the, the, uh, the obsession with making equality the, 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 uh, you know, the, the main force or the main guiding principles of a society. And the metaphor does this because you are what you say you are, what you think you are, what you, how, and you have, so, so to speak, unlimited power to, to, to affect these changes. And the Gnostic aspect is that uh, Gnosticism is a type of, is a is a religion. It is a, it is a destruction of uh, you know of one's personality of one's reality. Uh, it's the idea of of, of um, Gnosticism is is very much uh, like very much some of the Hindu philosophies that say you can be everything and nothing at the same time, and uh, it, that's what you are in the in the in the metaverse. You are everything and nothing at the same time. We're talking with Mr. John Horvat about his article, Will the Metaverse Create a Virtual Hell on Earth? Linked up at TFP.org. Um, let me play devil's advocate for a second, Mr. Horvat. Why can't we as a church simply leverage, like we have all other technology, leverage this for evangelization? Um, the world may use it for evil, but can't we use it for good? I, I think it's, uh, it, you know, the, I... I it is a platform which is very, very dangerous. And you know, if we were to use it in some means or way, we'd certainly have to have to study it and see why how it could be done. But that's obviously not going to be done. It's not going to. People are just going to dive in and and just allow it to happen. And that's you know one of the points of the article is say, well, the church needs to speak about this. The church needs to look at this and see and and issue the warnings and te- you know tell them what's wrong with this this idea of you know you can change your identity and be whatever you want to be and do absurd things uh, you know uh, walk on the moon do things that you know are really not uh, are not reality. The church is, embraces reality and and deals with our our fallen nature, which is part of reality. This platform will not do that and uh, has no intention of doing that. It's all of its philosophers are, are almost are entirely the contrary. So would you see an opportunity in maybe making presentation to the bishops or to uh, the cardinals or something along those lines? Maybe there's a dicastery in Rome that we might be able to uh, make a presentation to. So, I mean, I, I often wonder how much the church in her hierarchy, I mean, with the scandals that we're dealing with, let alone the actual daily business of running the organization of the church, um, are paying attention to these types of trends and trying to look for the issues that are going to come up in the next few years and be ad- ahead of the game. Right. I mean, it definitely sh- they sh- they should be, but uh, you know, more often than not, many times they they are they are, are already on board with a lot of these people and a lot of the things that are being done. You know, but especially the the more the the liberal clergy and the liberal uh, um, you know bishops, etc. You know, many of them are saying, "Bring it on! Let's 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 see this happen." And it, it's part it fits in with you know the the distorted theology that's often out there that says you can be what you want to be and and uh, you know doesn't consider the traditional teachings of the church. Mr. John Horvat, you know, I was thinking about this just right now, and I'm thinking of what you're saying. People will often accuse people, uh, Catholics, uh, we look back at the rise of the Internet, the rise of television, the rise of these mediums that keep coming up slowly over time as technology advances. 
and we say, oh, you know, these these Christians are retrograde. They're they're pushing backwards. They're going backwards and not forward. Or and we look at like music, for instance. They're saying, oh, remember those crazy Christians back in the day saying Elvis Presley was going to corrupt children and uh, corru- corrupt the youth and those kind of ideas. And I'm I, at first the mentality from people make you sound like you're crazy, make you feel like you're crazy. Like, oh yeah, remember when they thought that was bad? And but it turns out we're right. These those things were bad. Those things were corrupting people. The internet has been in probably a net negative on the world. And this it seems like this is going to be the same thing. But yet we Catholics got onto internet. The Catholics got onto YouTube. The TFP got onto YouTube, and it's doing great good with it. So what right. is the balance there between we have to get like these things are corrupting people's souls and leading people on the path to perdition and we can now use this tool as well to try to save those souls who are now on those platforms that are falling into perdition. Yeah, technology in itself is not bad. It's not evil. It's it's something that is used, God gives us the, the the know-how, which is what technology does to to make our to sim- simplify things, to make things easier for us to to uh, to practice virtue, etc. So there's nothing wrong with uh, you know the with technology as such, but uh, technology should always serve us, and we should never serve technology. And technology, a lot of these uh, technolo- technological things have been used to corrupt us, and we need to recognize that. And to to and and, and that's what I think is a lot of lot of times is missing that there is no analysis, there is nobody saying you know well they just jump into it and say well let's we're we're in it, it it's something we can't avoid now let's just uh, not do it and and that that is wrong it if if you know if you allow technology to take over it it enters into the soul you develop what i call the frenetic intemperance of our days where you are you just simply let go and allow to do allow yourself to do anything anywhere anytime and that is something that corrupts the soul and and brings the soul down and and the, the you know this, this definitely needs to be considered so what should Catholics be doing? Should we, uh, as, especially as parents, should we not allow our kids to participate in this? Should we encourage others not to participate in this? What would be your recommendation? Well, I think we should need to look at the, the, inter, the metaverse in three ways. First of all, that it, like the Internet, it will be a platform for immorality and sexual behaviors that, and that lead to the perdition of souls. So ha- immediately have that in mind, saying, well, Let's see what we. I'm not going to get on until something like this has to be off. It cannot, or we cannot. There must be ways we must not allow ourselves to be enter enter into this. Second thing is like video games. It's going to be a very addictive platform, and it's going to be like the addictions we see now on steroids. You know, and and uh, and it will be a platform which will make will uh, make it possible for it to seem more real than reality itself which is a very dangerous thing. And the third thing is to say, well, this is, this is going to be a platform without God, and it will never satisfy the soul. The explosions of experience will make it possible not only to make people, will only make people more unhappy and more lonely uh, because souls are only satisfied by God alone. And, and this will definitely not lead to that. I mean, it, it's something that's going to be very, very, uh, dangerous from that point of view. So I think we need to look at it from that point of view. And, uh, you know, like a lot of people are doing today, they are saying no to the to these technologies until, you know, and if there is a point of those technologies which can be used for good, like our YouTube videos or the, 
the websites that we have, you know, the, we I definitely have to use them. But if it is simply a, a, an explosion of experiences, an experience platform, I think we should stay away. You know, I find it fascinating in pop culture, for instance, the movies that have come out over the decade, the past several decades, sort of uh, anticipating this sci-fi future of virtual reality have always pointed out that that future is bad and they've had to overcome that. The Matrix being a stellar example of that. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, sure. And there are many other examples, but in almost in every case, if I, I, think, I don't think I can think of an example where this virtual reality was a good thing and they wanted to keep it. They all had to get rid of it because it was uh, sort of enslaving the people. I, don't you find that ironic? Yeah, definitely it is, and it is your your previous observation is 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 very correct. And and the and the people who are promoting these things, you know, you know, admit this. They say it. They want this type of society where Crazy. Uh, we became come like gods. All right, we are out of time, Mr. John Horvat. Will the metaverse create a virtual hell on earth? Find it linked up at tfp.org. Mr. Horvat, thank you for your time today. God love you. God bless you. And have a great day. Great. Great being on the show. God bless. God bless you, too. All right. That is going to do it for the first hour. If you can join us in the second hour, we're going to have a lot of fun. Our fear and trembling game show is coming up. Prizes are at stake, and you could win. You can find more details linked up on our website or watch us live there, too. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. That's GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. If not... We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for another round of Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus is risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. 
After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is uh, Monday, December the 13th, the feast day of St. Lucy. St. Lucy, pray for us. My daughter made special St. Lucy cookies, traditional St. Lucy cookies. And I gave them all away this morning, so I don't even know how they taste. Hopefully they taste very good. But uh, I guess Adrian will have to tell us later how good they taste. But hopefully you'll have a great St. Lucy feast day today as you prepare for the coming of the Christmas season. Good news, you don't even have to listen to a Christmas song or decorate for another couple of weeks. Uh, or however much time we have left. I don't even know. Because uh, Advent is still here, praise be to God, and we have a wonderful opportunity to celebrate that. But we just wrapped up a great conversation with Mr. John Horvat about the metaverse and the uh, difficulties, the pitfalls, the warning signs, all of those things in the last conversation we had last hour. But we'll post that to our Facebook and YouTube and all that. So make sure you link up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where you can not only do that, but you can also find the rules and the phone number to our game show, which is coming up this hour, 15 past, Fear and Trembling. It's a trivia game show. It's a lot of fun, and we give out prizes, and you could win. So that's all coming up. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and give yourself an advantage by finding the phone number there, or you can wait for me to give it to you. It's your choice. Speaking of which, uh, Rudy Carlos, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Do you guys make traditional St. Lucie cookies at your place? Not yet, but I think we're going to take on that tradition. Obviously, nice. right now, we can't do it. Well, I guess we could. We could do it now. You're packing, though. We're packing everything. We just yeah. don't have time. <laughs> you love? Do you love to move? I mean, moving is cool, isn't it? It's so, so great, especially when you move <laughs> to an upstairs apartment and you go up the stairs with all your stuff twice. It's, just, it's I love it. Do they have an elevator or is this all staircase? No, do it. Th- I'm a traditionalist. Okay? Oh, I see. So I use the I staircase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a traditionalist too. I just make my sons do it. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any sons yet. <laughs> uh, speaking of what, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to Adrian. Speaking of sons, I guess all three you're of us are son. sons, right? Right. We're you're, all sons. You're a son. You have a father. I I do have a father. This is true. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Well, you know, despite the fact that, uh, you know, we had uh, demons uh, being built in the UN, uh, <laughs> praise be to God, it's still good to be here nonetheless. <laughs> in spite of it all. Despite of it all. Despite all the uh, horrible news 
But, you know, it's, it's good to be here. And so, praise be to God for it. It's a new day. It's a happy, happy... Uh, it's St. Lucie the day. The sun, the sun is shining. Uh, well, not quite, but almost. The sun almost. is almost shining. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a second. And it got cold over the weekend in are Texas. The, are the St. Lucie cookies supposed to be her eyes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I look. I was looking at the you know, cookie. She puts her eyes on the platter. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was looking at the cookie, Yikes. and I was like, "Hmm, huh. is are it these her, her eyes? eyes? <laughs> is the, is, does that represent her eyeballs?" That's I was a like, good Yikes. question. So maybe we should have used boiled eggs for that. Ooh. Huh. Mm. I'm now I'm hungry. Not gonna want breakfast. <laughs> How do you celebrate St. Lucie's Day? Maybe you can hang out with us for our after show and tell us about that. That'd be kind of fun to hear how you keep the feast day, or, or if at all. I would like to know either way. So if you're hanging out with us on one of the live video feeds when we go off the air at half past this hour, then you can tell us in the com box, and we love to chat with you there. But we're gonna dive in. We have some good news to share with you this hour. All upbeat, all in. Inspiring. We keep the more serious stuff for the last hour. And then, of course, as I said, we'll have uh, our Fear and Trembling Game Show. But plus, we have Saint of the Day and Gospel of the Day all coming up right now. So, so much to jump into. Let's pray. Let's get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Let's keep those lost uh, lives out of the uh, tornadoes in Kentucky and Arkansas in our prayers this morning. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your good news story for today. The Blaze reports Michigan Catholic Diocese says gays and transgender people can only receive Holy Communion if they have repented. LGBTQ advocates were outraged over a statement from the Catholic Diocese in Michigan saying that uh, gay and transgender people could only receive Holy Communion if they have repented. The guidance from the Diocese of Marquette it was posted to social media on Wednesday, but it was issued originally in March. The statement said that people with gender dysphoria were in need of our care and pastoral accompaniment and compared the condition to anorexia. In this disorder, there is an incongruence between how the persons perceive themselves and their bodily reality, the guidance said, according to NBC News. Just as we would refer to a person with anorexia to an expert to help him or her, him or her, let us also refer persons with gender dysphoria to a qualified counselor to help them while we show them the depth of our love and friendship. The diocese went on to say that transgender people and other people in the same sex in same sex relationships should not receive Holy Communion or be baptized. It is also said that they could they could participate in the sacraments of the church if they repented. Gay people would re repent by leaving their same sex relationships, and transgender people could do so by living as a gender they were born with. We were just talking with uh, with Mr. Horvat in the last hour about reality. Well, this is this is reality. We have to live in reality. Marianne Duddy Burke, an advocate for LGBTQ rights in the Catholic Church, called the statement from the diocese one of the most egregious ever issued by a diocese. Yes, telling the truth is egregious. On Thursday, the Diocese of Marquette responded to the online furor by explaining that the guidance was meant to be shared with school principals and pastors. 
The church teaches that persons experiencing feelings of same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria is not sinful, but freely acting upon them is, said the statement from John Fee, the communications director for the diocese. Duddy Burke warned that such statements would lead to more people leaving the church. If the church continues to have discriminatory attitudes, policies, and teachings, the trend of people opting out of Catholicism is only going to continue, she concluded. And this reminds me of something that uh, St. Pope Pius X said, that the primary duty of charity does not lie in the toleration of false ideas. It is true charity for us to, to say that we have to live in reality. And in the very same way that we would say to an alcoholic that they should change and change their life because alcohol is destroying their life, how much more should we care for the the souls of the people of who the souls of the people who are enticed into this sort of uh, lifestyle? And that is your good news story. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Jodoc. He was born in the seventh century. To, he was a son of Juthal, the king of Brittany, and the brother of St. Judasiel and St. Winnick. St. Judasiel was in line for the, the crown, and the prince, St. Judasiel, after renouncing this perishable crown to labor more securely for the acquisition of the incorruptible one, retired to the monastery of St. Amin. He resigned the crown and offered it to his younger brother, Jodoc. But, you know, he was said, no thank you. And he wanted to consult the divine will. He shut himself up for eight days in the monastery of La Manier, in which he had been brought up and prayed night and day with many tears that God would direct him to undertake what was most agreeable to God and most conducive to his divine honor and his own satisfaction. He put an end to his deliberation by receiving the clerical tonsure at the hand of the bishop, and he joined a company of 11 pilgrims going to Rome. He served the Duke in, the, in his chapel for seven years and retired with one of the disciples into the woody solitude at Ray. The Duke built a chapel in cells in which the hermits lived and gained by the tillage of the land their slender subsistence and any overplus for the poor. The servants of God kept constant enclosure except that out of devotion to the princes of the apostles and to the holy martyrs, they made a pilgrimage to Rome in 665. As they returned to Runic, they found their hermitage enlarged and adorned in a beautiful church of stone, which the good duke had erected in memory of St. Martin, and on which he settled a competent estate. The duke met them in person on the road and conducted them to their habitation. Jodoc finished here his penitential course in 668 and was an honoree by miracles both before and after his death. He is now incorrupt, St. Jodoc. Pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 27. When Jesus had come into the temple area, the chief priests and the elders of the people approached him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them in reply, I shall ask you one question. And if you answer it for me, then I shall tell you by what authority I do these things. Where was John's baptism from? Was it of heavenly or of human origin? They discussed this among themselves and said, If we say of heavenly origin, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we fear the crowd, for they all regard John as a prophet. So they said to Jesus in reply, We do not know. He himself said to them, Neither shall I tell you 
by what authority I do these things, the gospel of the Lord. The Devar commentary says the evangelist puts it on record that these people did not believe in Jesus. But in the light of what Jesus says in the next passage, we know that they made no effort to believe him at all. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. What a statement that is, huh? That they put no effort into believing at all. In fact, uh, some of the commentaries actually talked about it's possible that if this, if this occasion happened near one of the times Jesus cleanses the court of the Gentiles from the money changers and, the, and those that would be buying and selling of animals, then uh, they are doubly trying to just persuade him to leave to stop, to uh, stop harassing them in some ways. St. Augustine would say this, John received his authority to baptize from him whom he afterwards baptized. And that baptism which was committed to him in, is here called the baptism of John. He alone received such a gift. No righteous man before or after him was entrusted with the baptism to be called uh, for himself. For John came to baptize in the water of repentance to prepare the way for the Lord, not to give inward cleansing, which mere man cannot do. Close quote. St. Augustine, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a couple things here. One thing on the in the very beginning, our, let's see, I always want to canonize him. I almost said St. Cornelius Lapide again. He says about the authority in which the they're being, he's requesting, hey, Jesus, where's your authority from? And Cornelius Lapide says that what they're doing here is similar to the way that some people will not put an end to a suit by resolving a suit with another suit. What does that mean? He's saying, hey, if you're going to sue me, then I'm going to sue you. And essentially, he's saying that's what's happening here. He's saying here that dishonest lawyers, when they have no faith in their cause, they get up another cause in lawsuit so that they may quibble and escape condemnation. So they're saying, you know, if they know, if you realize, oh, man, I'm, I have no case here. I better bring up something totally irrelevant and something else totally different in order to get them on that, and then they'll forget about the first thing. And Cornelius Lapide says this, and tell me, does this sound familiar to you? Does this something that ever happened to you? I know it's happened to me. I know it's definitely happened to Joe. He says, so also, when the heretics cannot reply to the arguments of Catholics, they bring forward other arguments so as to find a way of escape from their heresy and ignorance. But Christ does not hear act so. But he proposes another question on the solution of which the dependent and the answer to the question proposed by the scribes. So what is he saying here? He's saying just like the heretics, if you have them cornered on a point in which they are uh, they're losing the battle, they're, you're, you're talking about Sola Scriptura, you're giving them the passage, you're explaining the passage to them, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, what about Mary? And they're like, whoa, 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 we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about this over here. They try to jump all over the place, and they're saying that's not what our Lord is doing. Our Lord here is pointing out, hey, the answer to this question that you refuse to answer, that answer is the answer to your question to me. And what is the question? He asked, what did he say to John the Baptist? Who was John the Baptist's authority from? And our Lord says clearly that they knew and they lied. And that's important to note because many people will look at the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Jews in general uh, in, the Old in the New Testament and say, oh, you know, they just they didn't see Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't know better. They were ignorant. But here it's very clear. They knew the answer. They knew the truth, yet they lied. They refused to answer. They refused to give testimony to the truth. 
And that is because they did not accept that our Lord could have that authority because it would mean a change of their own lives, a change of their own authority, and a change of society, and they could not accept that. So I think that's something good to meditate on today. All right. Praise be to God. We are going to go to a break and come back and play our our trivia game, Fear and Trembling. It's going to be fun, and uh, you don't even need to know answers to win the game. You could win without knowing a single correct answer. It's that easy. All you need to do is call 877-757-9424. The first caller gets to be the contestant. So call now. Phone lines are open at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Captain Drive Time will be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and do not share with anybody what I'm about to tell you. You have to keep this just between us. But there are a few things we like to do during the Fear and Trembling Catholic Trivia Game Show. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where, who knows, you might learn something you did not know before. Praise be to God. And number two, we like to have fun. We like to laugh with our contestants, and they tend to be 
a really good time. They are great sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that, I think, more than anything. And then, of course, we like to give out prizes, which means you could win some cool stuff, and you don't even need to know the answers to do it because I have three Catholic trivia questions, and I do not ask our caller these questions. Instead, I will ask Rudy, and I will ask Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Speaking of which, Rudy, what could they win? Well, this this week, our prize is a mystery. Ooh. Okay, so you're going to have to keep tuning in. A mystery. Every them. day. Hmm. Tuesday. Yep, there we go. Mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in every single day. Until we announce it, we're going to announce it at the end of the week, though. But keep playing this week; it would be really fun. One providential winner winner will find out what's what's at stake at the end of the week. Hmm, mystery prizes. This is interesting. All right. Well, praise be to God. Uh, thank you to our mystery sponsor this week. We're very grateful to you. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Carol, Lucy, and CJ. Hi. Hi. Good Hi. morning, everyone. Praise be to God. Where are you off to? We're on our way to school. Going to school this morning. That's exciting. Congratulations. Better than sitting around home, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I heard some begrudging rights there. Uh, where are you guys calling from? Uh, from Dallas. From Dallas area. Well, and where do you go to church? We go to St. Mary's of Virgin in Arlington. How wonderful. Praise be to God. Now, uh, Lucy and CJ, are you going to uh, are you going to help Mom with the correct answers this game? Yes. Are you guys ready? Uh, do you guys listen to Fear and Trembling? <laughs> do you know how the game is played? Do you know the rules? Yeah. Oh yeah. And you agree, Adrian is the trickiest person whoa, you've ever whoa, heard. Whoa! 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 <laughs> well, you said it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, praise be to God. We are going to uh, we are going to play the game. Hopefully, you guys are ready. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Rudy first, as is our custom. Rudy, are you ready? I'm so ready. Are you sure? I'm as ready as I am to get to Houston. Well, that's pretty ready. Wow. I'm so ready. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rudy, can you tell me what color? is worn on Gaudete Sunday. Ah, yes. Two times out of the year, one time mm-hmm. here in Gaudete Sunday. Pink. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pink. I'm pink sorry, what? Color. I'm going with pink. Mm-hmm. Pink uh, Panther. Sam- would salmon work? Would that be okay? Would it be acceptable? Salmon color? Do you say salmon or salmon? Is it? Which is it? I don't know. I think it's salmon. But you're going with pink. I'm going with pink. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, let's go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? Uh-huh. What color is worn on Gaudete Sunday? Well, no I, no man would ever wear pink. Uh, so <laughs> I'm saying that the, uh, the correct answer is actually rose because, you know, Christ rose from the dead. And I'm also wearing rose, not pink, just for the record. Clearly, you did not grow up in the 80s. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 80s was like 20 years before I was born. At least. All right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here is the deal, Carol, Lucy, and CJ. You got to look for the trickiness here. Whereas uh, Adrian says the correct color is rose, uh, Brother Rudy says the correct color is pink. 
15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carol, Lucy, and CJ, what say you? Adrian, Adrian. Yeah, what about Adrian? Wow. I didn't even get to ask the question. No, no, no need. Like, no duh. need. Are you sure? They, they nailed that. Like 10 out of 10 right there. Uh, wow. <laughs> they get applause too, oh, yeah. Adrian. It, what happens when you say Adrian? See, it's, it this is the way. deal. Guys, we have to be careful about how we say Adrian is correct because it goes straight to his ego. Anyway, you are, you are in fact correct, and Adrian is also correct awkward oh wow awkward it is rose it is not pink you guys knew that one though right that was easy yeah, yeah. yeah. good job you're in the cup you could win praise be to god let's see if we can't double your chances to get in there uh i i'm here to help you accomplish this goal i am on your side unlike the other two Whoa. but let's go with adrian this next question adrian can you tell me that's dangerous name the second sorrowful mystery of the holy rosary the second sorrowful mystery of the Holy Rosary. Yes, that would be the prophecy of Simeon. Really? Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. The prophecy of Simeon. Yeah. You say. Sword will pierce your heart, right? Mm -hmm. That's pretty deep stuff. It's deep. Mm. Deep as they deep into the pool. For the second sorrowful the rosary mystery. Second mm -hmm. sorrowful mystery. Okay, Absolutely. let's go see what a, uh, rather Rudy has to say. Rudy, can you tell me? Or rather, can you name for me the second sorrowful mystery of the Holy Rosary? Yes, that is going to be the scourging at the pillar. The scourging where, at the pillar. Where our blessed Lord suffered for our sins of the flesh. Wow. Okay. So, all right. All right. Uh, Carol, Sounds Lucy, and CJ, here is the deal. Rudy says the second sorrowful mystery is the scourging at the pillar. Whereas Adrian seems to think it is the prophecy of Simeon with the piercing of the heart of Our Lady. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Carol, Lucy, and CJ, what say you? Rudy. 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 Survey says. Yeah. Man, these guys are smart. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, Good that was a tricky job. question. Was it tricky? I don't yeah, know. The prophecy was, of Simeon it, is the uh, first sorrow, sorrow and the Mary. seven sorrows of Mary. Yeah. I don't think it was tricky, though. Right, Lucy, CJ? That wasn't tricky. You guys knew that. Nope. Yeah, these are softball. This is like batting practice for them. Uh, well, this uh, next one is super hard. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this could be the trickiest question of all three. Hmm. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me who wrote the Apostles' Creed? Oh, I can tell you. It was Emperor Constantine. Really? When the church first started. Wow. 300 years AD. No kidding. Emperor Constantine. Hmm. Wow. So the Emperor Constantine wrote the Apostles' Creed, you say? Yep. I'm going to get a second opinion, okay? Uh, just, just, just to see. Not hey, that you don't trust him. <laughs> not that I don't trust you. <laughs> he is from California. Anyway, uh, Adrian, can you tell me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Who uh -huh. wrote right. the Apostles' Creed? Who wrote the Apostles' Creed? Yes. The Apostles' Creed mm -hmm. was written, uh, surprisingly, you'll never guess this, the Apostles' Creed was written by the Apostles. All of them? Yeah, all 12 of them. That can't be they right. They all contributed one line of the Apostles' Creed. Just not Judas. Well, Matthias. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Not, not Judas. Mm -hmm. Judas. Mm -hmm. He kind of he kind of dead. <laughs> Kinda. Okay. So you know. So your answer is the apostles. Amen. Hmm. All right, Carol, Lucy, and CJ. Here's the deal. Uh, Brother Adrian seems to think it was the apostles who wrote the Apostles' Creed. 
But Rudy seems to think it was the Emperor Constantine who wrote the Apostles' Creed. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rudy. What say you? I'm sorry, what? Adrian, I was trying oh. to help. Oh. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? See, this is what we have to deal with here, folks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was tricky. I'm sorry, Lucy and CJ, but uh, Brother Adrian threw a... No, he was right. Yeah. It was Rudy who threw the curveball. <laughs> Rudy. I'm so sorry. In fact, it wasn't Constantine. It was the apostles who wrote the Apostles' Creed. Yep, yep. Maybe in the after show we can tell you which apostle wrote which line. Every apostle contributed one line of the Apostles' Creed. Kind of reminds me of the Didache. <laughs> At any rate, you're in for two. You could win. It could be an exciting week. And it's a mystery prize week, so we don't even really... You haven't even told you yet as to who is going to win, but... It could be you, Lucy, CJ. How do you guys feel? Good, good. I'm sorry you didn't get Go that last good. one right. That was a tricky curveball question. But, um, <laughs> you know, it just it happens. But we've had people win with only one entry in there. So your chances are still very good. Now, quick question, pop quiz. What is your favorite subject in school, Lucy? Science. Science? I do not share that belief. Uh, CJ, what is your favorite subject? <laughs> Math. I do not share that one either. Uh, totally <laughs> uh, not one history person in the whole car. Oh, my. I loved math, just for the record. And, and, and science? Well, I wasn't so good at science. Well, I'm glad you're good at it, Lucy and CJ. Praise be to God. Have a great day at school. Enjoy your day, Miss uh, Carol. And uh, God love you. Thank you for being on our show. We're going to put you on hold to get your information. But have a great day. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for the radio side. A lot of fun. We're so grateful to them for playing along with us and having a laugh. But we're going to go to a break. We're going to the Holy Mass. We'll play next on the radio. But if you want to join us for the after show, jump on a live video feed. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey. Also, grnonline.com. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. Lucy. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. On Jordan's bank the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of kings. 
Then cleansed be every heart from sin, make straight the way for God within. And let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. May the glorious intercession of the Virgin and Martyr St. Lucy give us a new heart, we pray, O Lord, so that we may celebrate her heavenly birthday in this present age, and so behold things eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of Numbers. When Balaam raised his eyes and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came upon him, and he gave voice to his oracle. The utterance of Balaam, son of Beor, the utterance of a man whose eye is true, the utterance of one who hears what God says and knows what the Most High knows, of one who sees what the Almighty sees, enraptured and with eyes unveiled. How goodly are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel. They are like gardens beside a stream, like the cedars planted by the Lord. His wells shall yield free-flowing waters. He shall have the sea within reach. His king shall rise higher, and his royalty shall be exalted. Then Balaam gave voice to his oracle. The utterance of Balaam, son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eye is true, the utterance of one who hears what God says and knows what the Most High knows, of one who sees what the Almighty sees, enraptured and with eyes unveiled. I see him, though not now, I behold him, though not near. A star shall advance from Jacob, and a staff shall rise from Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teach me your ways, O Lord. 
Teach me your ways, O Lord. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. Teach, teach me your ways, ways o, o Lord. Remember that your compassion, O Lord, and your kindness are from of old. In your kindness, remember me because of your goodness, O Lord. Teach, teach me your ways, ways, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice. He teaches the humble his way. Teach, teach me your ways, ways, O Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Show us, Lord, your love and grant us your salvation. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus had come into the temple area, the chief priests and the elders of the people approached him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them in reply, I shall ask you one question. And if you answer it for me, then I shall tell you by what authority I do these things. Where was John's baptism from? Was it of heavenly origin or of human origin? They discussed this among themselves and said, If we say, of heavenly origin, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we fear the crowd, for they all regard John as a prophet. So they said to Jesus in reply, We do not know. He himself said to them, Neither shall I tell you by what authority I do these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning's Gospel we hear the chief priests and the elders questioning Jesus about his authority and who gave him in a way permission, who gave him authority to be doing the things he's doing and to be taking his place as a teacher of religion. So in many ways we can actually sympathize with the situation or plight of the Pharisees and the religious scribes of the day because uh, Jesus by many respects would have been seen as a kind of upstart. You know, we think, for example, of St. Paul, who was trained in the rabbinic tradition at the school of Gamaliel. In the case of Jesus, nobody would say, oh yeah, I remember you at the feet of Gamaliel. There you were in your training to become a rabbi or to become a scholar of the law. Um, they wouldn't have necessarily seen Jesus in any of those positions, and therefore the question comes, who do you think you are by taking up this place to be looking upon yourself as a teacher and teaching with a great authority. Of course, when we think of the authority of Jesus and where it comes from, um, ultimately the authority of Jesus comes from his heavenly Father. 
The Father is the one who has given all to the Son, and the Son carries out the mission that the Father has entrusted to him. Really, it has its root in the absolute authority of God, which an absolute authority is something which at the end of the day cannot be proven because it is not granted by some institution, but rather it is going to be coming from God himself, who is the absolute authority over all of creation. Interesting enough, the Greek word for authority, which is found in the sacred scripture exousia, would be literally translated as meaning from the being of. In other words, from Jesus' very essence of being God, this is where his absolute authority comes from, and this is the reason why he has command over all of nature, over all demons, why he has authority to teach all related to every matter of truth, because from his very being, Jesus is God, and therefore he does indeed have the authority. It's just it doesn't come from some human institution that he can point to, and this is the reason why the Pharisees and religious leaders of his day have such a problem with him. I think in this Advent season, uh, we too can ask ourselves the question, who has authority over my life? And of course, we probably all have uh, human bosses, we all have human institutions, which we are a part of, and to a certain degree, they have some level of authority over us. But at a much, much deeper and more fundamental level, to also be able to ask the question, who really has authority over my life in terms of how I behave, how I think, what I do, how I look at the purpose of life? And here, ultimately, each of us would want to answer that question by saying, Jesus is the one who has full authority over my life. I trust him with how it is that I am to conduct myself. I trust him with how it is that I am to think. And I trust him that he is the one who is the way, truth, and life who leads me to salvation. Part of our Advent journey then, of course, is this kind of process of purification as well, where we examine the things of our life which are not compatible with the authority of Christ or which have not been revealed by Jesus, and to be able to take the necessary steps to reprioritize our life in such a way that truly every dimension of our life is under the authority of Jesus. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us ask God for the grace to be able to examine our lives well in all of its aspects and dimensions, and let us ask for the grace that we truly would organize and prioritize our life so that every dimension of it truly falls under the authority of Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Amen. Trusting in our Father's love and mercy, let us bring our petitions before him. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for his physical and spiritual needs. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all bishops, that they would be guided by the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit in all their decisions. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for government leaders, that they would be inspired to promote and enact just laws that would safeguard the dignity of human life at every phase, and that would never contradict the natural law of God. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. 
We pray for the sick and the suffering, that they would be given consolation in their faith and experience the healing touch of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our family, friends, and benefactors, for all those joining us online and through radio, for all those who have asked for our prayers, and for all those enrolled in the Sold Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray that all dimensions and aspects of our life would always be placed under the authority of Jesus. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the repose of the soul of Jacob Ibanez. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, we thank you for hearing our petitions and granting our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free, from our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in Thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth Thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born Thy people to deliver, Born a child and yet a king, Born to reign in us forever, Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal Spirit, Rule thou in our hearts alone, By thine all-sufficient merit, Raise us to thy glorious throne. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May the offerings we bring in celebration of Blessed Lucy win your gracious acceptance, O Lord, we pray just as the struggle of her suffering and passion was pleasing to you, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation. Always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation, that when he comes again in glory and majesty, 
and all is at last made manifest. We who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenisun celi et terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with Saint Lucy and with all the saints, on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help.
May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. Remember your servant Jacob, whom you have called from this world to yourself. Grant that he who was united with your son in a death like his may also be one with him in his resurrection, when from the earth he will raise up in the flesh those who have died, and transform our lowly body after the pattern of his own glorious body. To our departed brothers and sisters, too, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, when you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. For seeing you, our God, as you are, we shall be like you for all the ages, and praise you without end. Through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum coditianum, da nobis hodie, et imite nobis debita nostra. Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, 
cui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Blow how our rose blooming from tender stem hath sprung of Jesse's lineage coming by faithful prophets sung. It came a floweret bright Amid the cold of winter When half spent was the night Isaiah was foretold it the rose I have in mind. With Mary we behold it, the Virgin Mother kind, to show God's love aright. She bore for us a Savior when half spent was the night. Let us pray. O God, who bestowed on blessed Lucy a crown among the saints for her twofold triumph of virginity and martyrdom, grant, we pray, through the power of this sacrament, that bravely overcoming every evil we may attain the glory of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. The advent of our King, our thoughts must now employ. Then let us meet him on the road with songs of holy joy. The The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.